Hello everyone and welcome to Creative Psychopaths, a horror movie podcast. A little bit of theme there from the Gremlins thing. I was going to like do something fancy, but I just recorded it directly off my phone, so it probably sounds awful, but you know, oh no, there's Gremlins in the podcast, and that's that's how that works. Um, it's just me and Matthew this week, but it's a really, really, really great episode, and um, I mentioned this later on in the episode, but if you do stream your podcasts, it would be awesome if you actually started downloading them, because... That gives me more information about, you know, how many people are actually listening. And I think it also, that's the only information the people who care about these things look at. Um, yeah, great episode. Um, so, yeah, um, I don't know. What are the three rules for looking after podcasters? I don't know. Don't feed them after midnight? I, I really don't know. I don't know why I thought that would be a good thing to say. Anyway, here's the music. Hello everyone and welcome to Creative Psychopaths, a horror movie podcast and the world's premier kitchen for horror sandwiches. Um, and we're here, we're, we're back again for another week and the festive season is upon us. Well, it's December, so, you know, I think the supermarkets thought it was festive season months ago, didn't they? Uh, I, I actually went past uh, my little corner shop on my road and they've already got uh, mini eggs in the window. <laughs> Sod Christmas, Easter's yeah, here. We're, we're, yep, we're doing Passion of the Christ today, guys. <laughs> that is quite that is quite a horrific film. That that's more brutal than probably like ninety percent of what we've covered on this. <laughs> Possibly, yeah, yeah. But it's all in the name of God, so it's okay. Don't worry about that. Um, Absolutely. Yes. Show. Um, that's it, really. We probably introduced ourselves, shouldn't we? Have I not done that? What a, what a terrible house. Anyway, I'm Mark and this is Matthew. We we started on a Christmas tirade earlier and I got all confused about things. Um, So there you go. Um, Jesus will do that to you. Yes. I've turned my camera off now, so I'm not distracting myself by looking at my very handsome visage. Um, so how are we doing today, Matthew? I'm good. I'm, I'm feeling festive. Oh, feeling yes. festive. You've um, had the, a mince tree's pie. gone up at work. Uh, it hasn't gone up at home yet because we're going away for Christmas. So it's probably not even going to have one. Oh no, a sparse house. Yeah. But I am I am festive nonetheless. I feel like that's another term for drunk, but uh <laughs> I no, no, I've uh, I've had a single cup of uh, decaf tea prior to this. Um, Whoa! Uh, yeah, so you're I'm all feeling you're all fired up loose, and ready to go, but yeah. uh, not impaired. No. Well, today I um my I had to pick up um some of my daughter's friends to take them to a pantomime. You know when you're in. Oh no, you... you didn't. Ah, very good. Ah, yes. No, yes. And uh, no matter you... how low that fruit is, I will pick it. No, it was a good one. I wasn't even expecting it. Um, and, and, and I gave you no 
I didn't even give you the, the correct response. Uh, <laughs> that's how rubbish I am. Um, but yeah, I had to go pick her friends up. Uh, but this morning she told me that I had to be cool. I said, Dad, in the car, can you just be cool? Well, I was unaware that I wasn't cool. Um, I think you're cool. Yeah, yeah, I think perhaps to young children I'm not cool. Um, so yes, uh, so I didn't realise I wasn't cool. So in the end... The only thing I could think to do was just not say anything. So um No, well you needed to do you needed to do a floss. No, I don't I, I couldn't I can't do one anyway. If I could do one, I probably would have done one. Do but... a floss, play play Fortnite and and Roblox. Kids love that. That would make me cool, would it, if I played Roblox? I've, I've no idea. No, I, well, I just kept my mouth shut. I thought I felt that was the best uh, the best option to be cool because Hey um, yeah, that works a strong silent type. Yeah, strong silence, right? Yeah, it's, it's an archetype for a reason. Yeah, so that was it. That was me being cool, not saying anything. So um, for those of you out there wondering if I'm cool or not, according to my child, I'm not. Um, according to me, though, you are. Oh, well. So certain age bracket of people. <laughs> and, and I like to think that, you know, in terms of your life, you love me more. Um, <laughs> in terms of the podcast, <laughs> I do. <laughs> I probably talk to you more. <laughs> uh, yes, I, I've passed my sulky youth stage. <laughs> so, um, oh, we've had a, the, almost we had the banter before the banter begins. Um, so, yeah, let's get started with a would you rather? Yes. So it's we're, we're going Christmassy for this one. Oh, very festive. And you are being forced to do battle against uh, an ethereal force from horror movies of yore. But you're not going to be alone. You oh. are going to have Santa Claus helping you in this. Okay. So, basically, you and Santa Claus, would you rather battle the Babadook, Pazuzu, or one that I've completely forgotten? <laughs> Let's just stick uh, the, the old, two. <laughs> the old, the old forgotten ghost. Um, I believe uh, it was somewhat religious in its uh, etymology, but uh, for some reason, I thought you were going to go for the one from um, Ghostbusters. What is it called? Or uh, Zool? Uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, but uh, no, uh, don't matter anyway. I think well, I was thinking payment from Hereditary, but that's kind of. Kind of even more ethereal. I think, um, I think I'm going to take on the Babadook to be honest with you, because it's sort of just really a metaphor for sort of depression and stuff like that. Whereas I think if I had Father Christmas with me, keep me pretty cheery anyway, um, with his belly like a bowl full of jelly and mince pies and general drunkenness. Is he drunk? I would imagine he is. Um, he goes over America, lines his stomach with all that milk, and then comes to England and drinks lots of sherry. Um, or it used to when I was a kid. Yeah, uh, we never did that, but that's because I think uh, like nobody in the house drank sherry. So Right, yeah, yeah. Um, I think we... To be honest, I don't actually really remember. I remember like leaving like carrots for, for the reindeer, but I don't really remember leaving anything else like that. 
Oh, yeah, no. Knowing my something. parents, it would have just been a cup of tea. Oh, not a cold tea. Anyway, yeah. Oh, I know. They'd have brewed up just before I sit in bed. I'll take I'll take Father Christmas against the Babadook. Um, I don't fancy fighting uh, Pazuzu, right? Because um, don't you need you need a bit of God in that? And I think I well, think, I think that's where I'm thinking. Because you know, old old Saint Nick, you know, he's a saint. Santa Claus, mm. you know that guy. That guy's on side with God. He he's knowing who's how to battle the uh, the demons of hell. Yeah. Plus, I suppose he could get one of his reindeer to kick it in the head. Um, <laughs> kick that little girl in the head. <laughs> oh. Uh, hmm. I think yeah. whichever way, I think if you've got Santa Claus on your side, you're, you're winning this one, aren't you? I don't think you're... I th- yeah, I think um, he's got good magic, hasn't he? So, you know, we'll, we'll take it. We'll take it. I'll tell you what. Yeah, bring them both on. <gasps> Oh, I, you, I you can you can you know look after the Babadook. I'll look after Pazuzu, and and Santa Claus will do all the heavy lifting. Yeah, I'm not even scared of the Babadook. I don't think I need Father Christmas. Just you, you, you take him, and I'll just sort of, you know, wallow in my depression and look at a scary guy. Uh, I'm not scared of that guy. Mind you, I'm more scared of that annoying kid, Mom. <laughs> yeah. I don't want that. That's like the opposite of your car journey. You were the one that was having someone scream at you. Why can't you just be normal? Can't Slash cool. Just be cool. Just be cool. Yeah. Maybe next time I'll wear sunglasses. Um, at night. <laughs> so, yeah. Brown uh, leather driving gloves like Ryan Gosling. Oh, how cool would that make me? Incredibly. Um, or fingerless BMX gloves. Oh, I don't know. Maybe that's not cool. I don't think I know what is cool these days. You you, you said something about Roblox. My I don't kids, think I've ever known. My kids play Roblox, so yeah, we can do that. I can do that. I played that. Anyway, um, lovely. So let's uh, well, let's podcast then. Let's podcast. Oh, we are already doing it, uh, but let's try and make this sandwich. Um, so what are we doing? So we are doing as it's getting towards the end of. 2022 and we are drawing a chapter closed on this one we are going to talk about the films that we're most looking forward to next year oh yes yes lovely i'll be uh if only i prepared something uh i did actually <laughs> so have you have it's you got good more because th- i didn't have you got more no. than one choice or uh no there is only one film that i have put in all of my horror eggs in my oh, horror basket. basket. Wow. And I'm well, let's sandwich much... them together then, because I've got two, I think. So Okay, go on. Yeah, I let's will, do that. I'll let you go. Well, I'll go for the first one, which is the one I initially said to you, which is Megan or Mithrigan. Um, which just looks bonkers. Um I I like the look of it. Um it's it's a bit chucky, isn't it? I think it's going to be Very a bit. So. I think it's going to be a bit chucky, but um, I re- I like the trailer and I really like this sort of odd dancing. And I think, I think it's by the same people who made Malignant. So um, I, w- I was just going to say that is it by the uh, the same writer? I think. It... I, I think so. So that's something to look forward to. 
Yeah, um, so we all know how much I love Malignant and how bonkers it is. So I'm I'm all in for more of that. Yeah. So that's my that's my first choice. Um but not my main choice. So I'll uh, I'll let you go. <laughs> well just just on that, I I'm, I think I've Mandela affected myself because when I first saw Mathregan advertised, I was sure it was Mathregan. <laughs> I'm sure there was a number four instead of a letter A. Maybe, but um... I, I, it, can anyone just tell me if that that's true or if I've just imagined that? Let me look it up. Oh, I've, I've, I'm trying to, but I've not been able to find anything. Uh, but yeah, I've also been looking into it as well, just while while we've been on the case, because the like the the doll that's uncanny valley by design, right? That's yes, yeah, that's for sure, deliberately yeah. made to look off putting because it looks very human, but not quite, and it's like very saying, very creepy just to look at. It's that uncanny valley, isn't it? For sure, uh, it's. Uh... It's a bit of an odd one. Um, I think as well in the trailer when when she gets she gets moving and she starts bounding like an animal. I think that. Yeah, I think we're right. We're right to anticipate this one. I think it's going to be. A, I think it's going to be a good one. It's not far. It's not far into the year either. Thirteenth of January, so we're going to be not far off that. So I think we might even watch that and uh, and review it. Yeah, Why might, not? We might get an episode out of it. Yeah. Yeah, I shall look forward to uh, seeing Mithrigan. Mithrigan? Mithrigan? <laughs> no. Mithrigan. Yeah, that's that's right. In my head, anyway. Who's to say? Right. So, yeah, let's let's go on to mine, then. Uh, so, yeah, r- listeners will know that I love Mulligan, as we've said, but they will also know, if they've paid attention, that uh, a franchise that lives very, very dear to my heart is Evil Dead. Of course, yeah. So it's got to be Evil Dead Rise. I, I'm really looking forward to this one. Uh, 100% of it is just off the name Evil Dead because, like, looking at everything that it's about, uh, you know, everyone involved, uh, Sam Raimi's involved but i don't really think he's done any of the you know the heavy lifting on it i don't think he's he's written it he just worked as producer uh as well as well as bruce campbell yeah no it's been written and directed by lee cronin and and i don't really know anything about his work no um... got his imdb page he he directed the hall in the ground and ghost train and and say there's two films that i've never seen so you know, that the, gives you that nice little feeling of trepidation as well as excitement. Yeah, um, I must admit, I'm looking forward to it myself. As soon as I, as soon as I saw the sort of teaser, as it were, um, whatever, whatever it was, um, must have been a picture or something like that. I think it might be in a like tower block or something, or high rise, in fact. <laughs> um. Yeah, it, 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 that's one of the ones where, you know, you get a bit excited going, oh, wow, uh, another Evil Dead, because um, I, I really don't... And the other thing is, I really don't know what they're going to do with it. I don't know if they're going to go down the sort of more Ash Evil Dead route or 
the latest one we saw, which was very brutal. Um, yeah, it's it, it's got a, a world of possibilities available to it, hasn't it? For that, it has. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's very exciting as a, as a result. Uh, but yeah, I think we, I just remember the last time an Evil Dead film came out. It was, I think it was just slightly after the the remake spree, you know, with with the Nightmare on Elm Street and, and Friday the Thirteenth remakes. Mm. Uh, that it, it felt just really like unnecessary and sort of the last drops of the cash cow. Yeah, but it was incredible. It was. Better than I mean, we we both said, didn't we? Best remake when we when we thought of that question and yeah, without a doubt, yeah. And it's uh, yeah, if we can continue that form, yeah, then I think then we'll be uh, laughing. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll, I'll be screaming, I'll be happy. But... I'll be happy either way. I'll I think I would prefer them to continue going down that brutal route. Um, because I, I think, think I would as well. I think that's that's where it stands originally. Because you know while. You know, that first film probably is yeah, slightly amusing now. Um, back then, and even when I first saw it, I always thought it was a pretty scary film. Um, it just so happens to have, especially given the sort of extended universe, Evil Dead's got a sort of a more of a comedy element to it. Well, uh, I think that's that's where I'm leaning, because the most recent Evil Dead stuff, uh, apart from the game, which I've, I've not played yet, which I, I do need to uh, to remedy, but on screen, it's it's been Ash versus Evil Dead, hasn't it, for the last few years? Mm, and that, yeah, you yeah. know, that that is a, a comedy series, really, isn't it? So, yeah. but getting you know some some proper horror out of it, I think will be will yeah. be great. I'm gonna look for. I am gonna really look forward to that. But I think I, I know, just like the last Evil Dead, I'm gonna sit there the whole time hoping to see Ash at the end. Um, <laughs> which yeah. I, 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 I think potentially he does show up in that Evil Dead. I think maybe it, post does a yeah post uh, post credits groovy and that that's it. Yeah, uh, but looking at the cast, uh, he's not, he's not in, listed. He's not listed but... in the cast, but that doesn't mean he isn't going to be in it. No, it's early days. There's only eight people in there, so I you know I would expect that by the time of release that that'll I think... be enhanced. I think they'd like to keep it a secret if they yeah, were going to put him in it. I think yeah. they'd like to keep him a secret because they'll either be the sort of, it'll be the back end of it. Um, but uh, yeah, no, that'd be, that'd be really good. That'd be really interesting actually. Um, and... Again, it's first part of the year. So it's scheduled for April. Is it? So they even started filming. Well, it looks uh... like it's, well, I would assume if it's coming out in April, it'd be uh, must be in post production now. Must yeah. Be, yeah, yeah. Okay, awesome. Well, the one that I'm looking forward to, and this might be a bit of a surprise to people, is 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 it's going to be Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Um, the the trailers, the trailer makes it look like it's going to be a really brutal film, which I'm looking forward to. Um. And I like to see something a bit a bit more brutal. And I think I'm just excited to see what they're going to do with it. Now, I think you shouldn't get me wrong. I know it ain't going to be a good film. I can already tell watching it that some of the acting is going to be a bit ropey. And uh, <laughs> they certainly, Winnie the Pooh and 
Well, Piglet looks quite scary, but they don't look particularly scary. But I'm really interested to see what's going to happen with it. I think they're going to, uh, the effects look like they're going to be good in terms of sort of uh, practical effects. Sorry. Um, they look like they look like they're going to be good. You know, there's a bit of a still where someone's obviously had something done to their eye. And I'm just looking forward to it. I'm just looking forward to seeing what they're going to do with it. Ultimately, I think it is probably going to be bad, but um, maybe it's so bad it's good at least. Um, yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, I think as soon as I saw it, I was like, you know, one of those directions we went, that looks stupid. And then going, yeah, but I'm going to have to see that to the point where I'm going, yeah, really looking forward to seeing it now. Yeah, um, I think on this one, my my reaction goes the other way. Uh, <laughs> because I... I I just think it's well, my biggest worry about it. This film is not particularly whether it's good or not. Cause obviously I'd, I'd love it to be good, but my, my worry is that it's successful in spite of it being good. Yeah. And ushers in just a, a whole wave of out of copyright children's <laughs> characters being turned into horror films. You know, like I know somewhere in a film studio, there's Snow White and the Seven Dwarves on a board. There's there's basically you know those 1930s Disney films that they can yeah, just yeah. knock out, and I think it's just gonna be like this film. This film could be great. It could be. But I think if it's successful, it's going to lead to some of the worst films <laughs> that you're ever going to see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, already this year, in fact, there's going there's a Grinch one on the way. There um, is, yeah. Uh, well, that, I think that's what's scared me the most, really. Although, actually, looking forward to the Grinch one because it's the Grinch is played by David Howard Thornton, who is Art the Clown. Um, oh, okay, I didn't know that. Right. Yeah, the Grinch is going to be played by him, but obviously actually doing some acting. Um, so I'm kind of looking forward to seeing that because I think he's great. Um, but is he actually great other <laughs> when he's in a talking role? I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I'm interested to see that too. <laughs> I, I do uh, I do like the look of the, the, uh, the Grinch in that, to, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that film. Like you say, so, though, there is there is a potential chance that it is. I never thought of that before, but even thinking about the Grinch now, it is sort of ushering in the idea that children's properties can be turned into horror movies. Um, but also, you know, if we get, like, if they do make 15 of those sorts of films and, like, five of them are all right and two of them are good, then, you know... We, I, I've I've watched eight bad films before so you know it's not going to be the worst thing yeah yeah well and alternatively blood and honey could be terrible in which case we don't have to watch anymore yeah uh, it, it could it also you know what we don't consider it could bomb without a trace and it could put some really good ideas for those types of films yes yeah. into the abyss never to be seen so i think that's probably where we're heading there's no way that isn't going to happen so um... I don't know. I think it. I think it's on course to, to get buzz. So I don't think it's going. I, I'd be surprised if it gets a wide theatrical release. Uh, no, but... I think it's going to be almost straight to DVD. Like Terrifier was. It's in on Blu-ray now, 
I nearly bought it the other day, but uh, I ended up getting a razor head and King Kong instead. Oh, you know that. I told you that. I, sh- I showed you You did. You, you showed me the set, uh, the uh, the boxes too, which were very nice sets. I did. I also got some Dungeon and Dragon dice that I've, I've, I've never played that game in my life, but <laughs> why not? <laughs> I would, I I would like to. I, I used to live uh, in a little set of flats and uh one of the people there's a, a a communal uh sort of, you know, sort of kitchen sitting area at the bottom and there was a, a group of people uh sorry one, one of the girls that lived in the building and she used to bring like friends around once a week for a dungeons and dragons night and Ooh. like I, I i couldn't make head and tail of it so like, obviously, I wasn't just sitting around listening to them play because I would, you know, I'd be rude. But every time I walked past, it's just like, like I thought I knew what Dungeons and Dragons was, but this, this just sounds just it's... impenetrable to me. Yeah, yeah, I must admit, I, I I did pick up a starter guide once, but I really think it's one of those games you have to have somebody sit down and explain, and then you play it badly before you can play it well. Um, but you know. Anybody out there who wants to teach me? In fact, I think Alistair said he'll teach us before. Um, well, I, I'm going to say it now. If anyone wants to uh, to do a campaign, a horror-based Dungeons & Dragons campaign, and be a dungeon master for us and explain the rules to us... We'll do it. If you'd like to listen to that, we, we'll be more than happy to do it. Yes, we absolutely will. We absolutely will. Show! That's the first slice of bread, then. We've told you what we're looking forward to. And it's horror films, because otherwise it'd be a bit odd. Um to be honest, I've no idea what's coming out next year that isn't horror films. Avatar. I think there's there's probably one, isn't there? <laughs> I don't know. We're getting see... one every year for the rest of time now. I don't have to see Avatar, so I'm quite happy about that. Uh... Uh, there'll be there'll be several Marvel films. Uh probably probably something by DC. Indiana uh, Jones, I think, might be coming out. There's another yes, Jones. at the time of writing, we got a trailer for that yesterday. It uh, does look quite fun. Yeah, I don't like Indiana Jones. Never have. <laughs> right, yeah. I, I, I don't know if we can have controversial opinions like that. Isn't that oof? I, I think I've said it before. Uh, so don't worry about it. Um, yeah, so let's get into the, let's get into the filling, which uh, you're going to lead us on, but... Um, well, I'll I'll let you take over. Be 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 the guy. <laughs> do you know what I just remembered? Sorry, just just to interrupt there. Oh, what do you know? What's coming out in twenty twenty three? What Dungeons and Dragons? Oh, there it you all go. links in. It all comes back. It all links in together. Right. And now, yeah, let's stop <laughs> fucking about with stuff that's not come out yet. <laughs> let's talk about what we came to talk about. <laughs> so yes, we're going to talk about Gremlins. Nice Christmas horror film for everybody. Beautiful. So it was released in 1984. Uh, while I think I was not even thought about as a human being yet. I was four. Yeah, I, just thought, I thought I'd just get that little dig in there. Just to... <laughs> I, I was, wasn't was even a twinkle in my dad's eye yet. I didn't come until much later. I was, I was already annoying people by that by that year. Uh, it was directed by Joe Dante, uh, uh-huh. written by Chris Columbus, and it, it's 
say it's Amblin, it's Steven Spielberg as as the presents mm-hmm. the credit for it. Uh, and then for our cast, we have Zach Galligan as Billy, Phoebe Kate as Kate, Hoyt Axton as Randall Peltzer, Polly Holiday as Mrs. Deagle, Francis Lee McCain as Lynn Peltzer, and Judge Reinhold as Gerald Hopkins. And it wasn't on the uh, the top billing, but I'm going to put Corey Feldman in as well, because I do like seeing Corey Feldman in things. Yes, yeah. And Dick Miller as well. Don't forget about Dick Miller. Um... And I think Corey Feldman's just this guy who's like, a child star, but always had the face of a 35 year old man. <laughs> very true. <laughs> and now looks very, very appropriate for his age. Yes. But back then it was, uh, it, there's a moment in this film that we, well, this oh, is I, the youngest he's ever looked in this. I might, I might as well say, say it now. There's a moment in this film with Corey Feldman that, that I just love. And it, it vaguely comes out of nowhere where, um, they they first have Gizmo covered in water and all the other Mogwais come out. And um, he, Corey Feldman's character just goes to lay on the bed and he goes, yeah, it's amazing. And he goes, no, really, I mean that. <laughs> with with, uh, with nonchalance. It's completely nonplussed by the whole thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's such a good bit of, I don't know if it's, yeah, it's such a good bit of acting. I really enjoy it as, a, as just a small moment in the film that makes me go, <laughs> but this movie's got a lot of that. So, yeah, I think the only thing to uh, to consider before we do get into it then is the uh, the budget, which was $11 million and box office at $212.9 million. So huge monster hit. And it's still, it's still talked about today, isn't it? It's still regularly brought up, watched every year as a Christmas film so it's absolutely massive success absolutely uh, so yeah and in terms of plot it's, it's it's very basic isn't it which is quite nice uh, so it opens up with our friend uh, Randall Peltzer uh, who's in just a Chinatown they don't keep it quite vague and he purchases a creature we, we don't quite see at that stage from uh, a reluctant, well, he doesn't actually purchase it, does he? He tries to purchase it from a re- reluctant salesman. Uh, but in the end, uh, his grandson essentially steals it and sells it behind his back. Uh, he brings it home to his son, Billy, and tells him that there are three rules for this creature, which is a mogwai, and tells him, keep it away from bright lights, don't get it wet, and don't feed it after midnight. We're going to get into that last one a little bit later because <laughs> uh, we we have thoughts and yeah so basically obviously you set rules in these films so he gets it wet and it multiplies he feeds it after midnight and it turns into a gremlin havoc ensues and that's that's basically the film isn't it yeah uh, yeah it's, in terms of plot it's it's bare bones so why why do why do people enjoy it i think is the question there i think it's simplicity is is a big part of that because it's it's very easy to settle into isn't it it is yeah because i i i i, I, I vaguely think that obviously the the gremlins themselves are generally amusing um they sort of look scary-ish um but certainly 
certainly when they get into a group situation, they're just sort of generally funny kind of slapstick. I was watching it thinking they're just they're just agents of chaos, aren't they? Um, and there's something there's something I think about that, and and obviously people like Gizmo too, though. Um, you know, he had a lot going for him. I I think Gizmo is a wonderful little little uh, creature, little mogwai. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm just going to say he he looks great, but also I think he's better than Baby Yoda. Oh yeah, by miles. Yeah. Take take that up with me, internet. I'm I'm ready for your wrath. Yeah, you, I don't. I, I can't. I can't think of anyone who would um, disagree because at least Gizmo's got. I feel a little bit more personality about him. Giz, um, Gizmo is like he's he's adorable, but he's also you know quite feisty. Uh, but he's he's so emotive in the face. You know the the. The puppeteering for him and all the gremlins, it's just remarkable. It's amazing. The uh, the thing about that film is it's aged wonderfully. Um, it doesn't look bad at any point. There are some there are some small points where um I think there's one point where there's a huge amount of gremlins that stop motion that's a bit ropey, but not terrible. I was actually um, just going to ask that. Did they do some stop motion for it as well? There's, there's some stop motion. It looked it. There's some stop motion and there's a touch of animation at one point, um, but I think the animation works fine. And I, it was it was actually a really clever idea. I thought, um, which is because yeah, the they, they this... blended it fantastically. Yeah, because I'm. Oh yeah. I think why you can you can spot it if you look. You don't. I think it's one of those things that you can see it, but you don't notice it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And I think as a, as a general rule, the fact that there's so many scenes in this where it's a lot of gremlins doing a lot of different things, in terms of like puppetry and the way these scenes are set up, it's just wonderful. Although there was uh, the, the scene sort of where we first see the gremlins and, and uh, one of them pushes the tree down. Uh, you, you do see the puppeteer stood behind the tree for a, a brief moment. <laughs> Hello. Well, you know. Wearing a red jumper. So at least he's festive. I never saw that, I must admit. I don't, I, I've never noticed that. I'm going to have to look that now. Um, but yeah. Um, so one of the things I wanted to mention is that Hoyt Axton as... Um, r- Randall Peltzer, oh man, that his voice in the introduction and the outro as well. I'm just like, oh, give me more of this guy. He, um, he's, he's got a voice like leather, hasn't it? Oh, it's such a wonderful voice. It's um, it's like I was watching as soon as he came on. I was like, uh, oh, this guy could introduce the plot to every film. <laughs> Dude, let let's have that. Um, I mean, unfortunately, he's passed away now, but um. It, it was it's it's so good, but as a character throughout the film, because he's sort of not really part of the story. Um, you oh, know, he just turns up just to he he, he brings the Mogwai and then fucks off again. Uh, yeah. Um, but the moments when they when they cut to him and he's got these stupid inventions that never seem to work. Um, but there are bits when he's at a convention or things like that where. What's going on in the background is 
brilliant. Um, am, am I right in thinking that there was the time machine from the time machine? The, the time machine. There. Yeah. Yeah. The robots there from Lost in Space. But at one point, the robot from Lost in Space is on the phone behind him. Um, it's just really, um, you know, I, I like those bits when they cut back to him. It's like having a sketch in the middle of the film almost. But yeah, again, yeah, it's, it's, it's very just chaotic. A- a director and writer having some fun with it as well, isn't it? It, it yeah. translates like that to the screen. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's great. It, it, it's got, I think, a brilliant cast of characters, especially um, Mrs. Deagle, who is the Wicked Witch through and through. Um, oh yeah, yeah, she's. Well, think... there's only one word for it. She's a she's a Tory, <laughs> and all the awful things that that represents <laughs> in the. Uh, you know, when people use that uh, as a derogatory. <laughs> yeah, but um, easy to hate. And of course, the gremlins take her out. I think she's the only actual death that I can think of. Or does the science teacher die? The, the, the science teacher has a, a syringe in his bum. So I am I kind of assume that he was just knocked out. Right, okay. Uh, so I she, think you kind of need that for the rating, don't you? She's the only one that actually takes a death, um, which is good. So we... The, the the gremlins are heroic. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's actually yeah, well, Mrs. Deagle, you know, what we were saying just there, you know, she is sort of money obsessed, you know, stamps on the downtrodden and you know, goes for those people. I think part of what uh you know maintains Gremlins appeal as a Christmas film, especially, is that it has that anti-consumerism message running through it that mm-hmm. not, not, not sort of uh anti-consumerism but uh sort of that railing against christmas going over the top sort of attitude you know it, it gives you a lot of reminders throughout the film that that christmas you know isn't a happy time for a lot of people which i think yes. is something that, that doesn't get mentioned nearly often enough yeah very uh, true yeah there's a good chunk of that in this um yeah the, know, uh, oh, the, the, the whole the whole movement in this film begins because someone is just obsessed with with buying a gift and looking good on christmas without really taking any responsibility for it as well and it right you know that, that's when you you know you think about what you know people watch at Christmas. You know that's what all, all these films are about when you get to the heart of them. You know the Grinch is is certainly a case for that. Yeah. Uh, you know a Christmas Carol, It's a Wonderful Life. They're all about finding the value in people around Christmas. You know, and I think that this film. If anything takes a harder line than than those, and and I think it's very, uh, oh, thoughtful. I would say in that regard. Yes, there are some moments like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, deeper messages. That's nice. <laughs> oh, I wasn't expecting you to get all clever with me about it. Uh. <laughs> No, I, I think it's it's because I, I kind of feel quite a lot of, about Christmas myself like that. 
because I, I don't like all, all the trimmings that go along with Christmas. And because I don't know, I, I, I love Christmas and I, that doesn't like, I try to explain that to people and they, they don't get it because outwardly I appear like I hate Christmas, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but it's, it, it's for me personally, Christmas is a time of the year where, you know, I don't get to see uh, my brother that often, but he flies in for Christmas yeah and, yeah, and we get you know we get together with the family. We you know we eat, we you know we share presents. You know we we like you know we spend a, a mm. small amount. We get each other a tiny little thing that will you know like a game that we'll play later in the evening, sort of thing. And it's great. You know we spend time together, and it's you know it is that Christmas message where it's about family. You know, and I find it baffling how, how people spend huge amounts of money and time and and drive themselves with worry that they have to almost be performative with how much they love christmas and it's something that i don't, I don't want to say it upsets me but it certainly is adjacent to that uh, and i think it does upset me when i think about people that are having a rough time of it at christmas yeah and this film really sort of hits that spot for me as to like, this is what you think about Christmas. We're putting this in a film for you. Yeah, no, you, you, you're right. You're right. And, um, well, you know, all, all the things you say are not wrong. And I agree with them. Most of what you said, like, I mean, I, I'm lucky to spend a lot of time with my sister, but specifically like Christmas on boxing day, we spend time just me and her. And we always look forward to it. It's like tradition. Um, and those are the things I look forward to at Christmas. I mean, I've got kids, so, you know, obviously I look forward to seeing their faces on Christmas Day and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, that's what it's about, though, for me. It's not about the gifts. Like, I never, ever want anything. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I've I'm, definitely I'm... got to this, the point in my life now where I prefer to to give gifts and receive them, which is something I never thought I would be the case when I was, uh, you know, when I was a kid. Yeah. I mean, I'd be peeved off if I don't get anything, by the way. <laughs> well, but, I think uh... my, my, my present last year was uh, of my, my brother was a, a sort of a, I think the game's called Cinephile. It's just a box of cards with actors printed on them. And then there's just a little pamphlet with it. It's like, these are the games that you can play with it. And you do like sort of like six degrees of separation on it and stuff. Yeah, that sounds like fun. Um, we, we played that for a few hours and it was lovely. And that's what it's about. For, for me, it is definitely. For me, Christmas is about um, getting drunk in the kitchen while cooking dinner. But again, I look forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> we also enjoy the football. Well, I say enjoy the football. We go to the football <laughs> if it's uh, a home game at Boxing Day. Yeah. Anyway, let's get back into this movie. Um, there are things I want to mention because I think this has always been a favorite part for me is that Billy's mum kicks ass. Yes. Um, she's an absolute beast of a, a beast of a woman. The, the gremlins invade her house. She, she puts one in a blender. She stabs one of them. She shoves another one in a microwave. She fights one on a tree. She's kicking all kinds of ass. Yeah, that scene, she like she she goes full Terminator on him, doesn't she? She does. She fucks him up. I'm like watching it going, 
you know, she's been taking pointers off Ripley here. She's not, she is, she ain't going down without a fight. I mean, initially she does that without actually knowing whether they're bad or not, but still, I mean, I, I think they do try and knife her at some point. Yeah, they, they'd <laughs> cut the form lines as well, haven't they? And, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. they'd messed with her. Yeah. Which is another thing that for some reason, um, <laughs> for some reason, gremlins have an intimate um, knowledge of technology. They're somehow able to hotwire cars, um, change traffic lights. Uh, they're, they're... But I, I think, think that's, that's sort of the kind part... of the thing they talk about, don't they? Like gremlins yeah. in the machinery. Yeah, that's know. right. Yeah, yeah. It is sort of fully part of it. Um, yeah, like you say, there's. Um, what other things do I want to pick out of this film? Oh, here's a bit of this film that I always talk about, which is um, it's sort of comes out of nowhere and it's ungremlin related, but probably the worst scene of the film, which is Phoebe Cates talking about her father dying. Um, yeah, it is very dark, isn't it? This but it's incredibly dark. Um, well, I mean, for all intents and purposes, the the mid the mid gremlins, and I'll get back to the scene before that. Um, but the, she she doesn't like Christmas, and then she goes on to say that, uh, you know, her father went missing. Basically, he was missing for like five days, and it turned out that he was stuck in the chimney. He'd been trying to surprise them, and what broke his back. Um, yeah, died instantly. So he was stuck up their chimney for god knows how long so, yeah, yeah. It's, it's tragic and and sort of somehow farcical as well isn't it and it's yeah but it absolutely comes out of nowhere um you know we know that she doesn't like christmas but we you're not expecting this awful but especially when she talks about going to light the fire and noticing the smell it's it's just it it doesn't fit with the film to a degree and yet it's in there and it's yeah, always stood out to me. Always, because um, I think I've mentioned it on here before about how that that scene just stands out. Uh, I think when I was watching it, you know, for watching it just now for the pod, my thinking was, you know, it was a good scene. It sort of, you know gave the character, you know, the explanation for for what they were saying earlier in the film. I just kind of thought, can we not? Can we not dial it back a little bit and just make it <laughs> slightly, you know, less tragic and gross? I sort of feel like that might be partly a hangover from the fact that this was originally intended to be more like a horror film. Um, but I think once they got the gizmo puppet going and realised what they had on their hands, they sort of changed yeah, it around. Also- with it being a ambling Steven Spielberg production, that's that that just wouldn't wouldn't jive with with the sort of thing that he likes putting out, doesn't it? And you know, this was your know, peak eighties, and it it does fit within that canon of you know ET, the Goonies, you know this film, yeah, uh, for as, sure. as that that style of uh, sort of preteen comedy horror adventure sort of films yeah anyway so before that um sorry you were supposed to be driving this and, and i've taken over a bit no, I, i've 
I'm happy to be a passenger. I was, <laughs> I was actually going to say on the, the theme, though, when we are saying about how it was originally meant to be darker, uh, just sort of discuss how how this works as a horror film. Yeah, I mean, it's it's far more comedy than it is horror, isn't it? Um, but I think, well, there are pl- there are scenes in it that I would say, especially towards the back end, where I go, "All right, now this is this has put it into the horror category," and um, you know, there are some good jump scares and there are some good um, like background scares as well. Um, which what my so my my thinking with it is is that it is made pretty much like bang on as a horror film, oh, uh, and it uses all the same sort of techniques and you know ways to to scare people. But I I think that the they're, they're quite clever in making the stakes of it very low. You know that the danger is is mischief rather than death. You know. Uh, for the most part, you know, uh, we know that it's a a vague possibility because we've seen a, we do see a couple in the film, and I think that gives it the freedom to to be that introduction. I think for a lot of people to horror, yeah, yeah, you know, because it 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 shows you, you know, this is this is what a horror film is without you know really getting into the you know the the down and dirty stuff that that we've covered so frequently. <laughs> yeah. And it helps. It, a lot of it helps that the gremlins man, uh, managed to all have personalities. Uh, a lot of that works uh, in terms of, you know, like horror icons, they've got that because it's not a clump of, you know, like for example, critters, which is good, but none of them stand out. Whereas this has got stuff that stands out like, a Freddy and a Jason and stuff like that. It just stands out as like, here's a, here's an icon of horror. Um, and I do, that's what I think of them as, because they are awful little monsters. Yeah, um, they do also give Stripe the, a distinctive look as well to, to make him stand out further. Which is it's not, but not only do clever. they give him a distinctive look, they give him a distinctive violent streak because um, yeah. towards the back end of the film where it's sort of him against Billy, he... He wants to kill him. You know, there's not, there's very little mischief in that. It's saw blades and a gun and. The yeah, worst, definitely. Yeah. The worst chainsaw in the world. Um, <laughs> seemingly. Uh, it could have cut through a baseball bat, could it? It couldn't, no. Uh, <laughs> I meant to, but what I did mean to say is there were two scenes in this that I think we'll, we'll just lump them together if that's okay, where. It's gremlins all like huge amounts of gremlins all in one place. So you've got the bar and the cinema, which sort of link right next to each other. Just on that cinema scene, we, we see you, Quentin Tarantino. You you stole that for Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> I I know what you did. <laughs> that it, I was going to say to you that though that I think a lot of movies have the scene. Um, and I think for as far as Gremlins is concerned, this is the scene of that movie. This is probably the one thing that people remember is they're all in there singing I ho, I ho. Yes, yeah. But, uh, I was actually just on you know, talking about sort of the stakes for 
for it being a horror film are quite low. But it does do a really good job of making them feel massive as well. Mm. I think it's a, a like this is just as a film in general. You know, it's realistically, you know, what what when we watch this film, like what's the worst that can happen? Really, you know, a town gets overrun and people have to come in and round these critters up and get rid of them. You know, it's like really not all that much to worry about in terms of a film, but it feels like it's like the biggest thing, isn't it? You know, that, that scene where Spike jumps into the pool and it just all starts bubbling and, you know, you see that and you just think, oh my God, this is, this is massive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I was comparing it to, you know, to films that go the other way, you know, and, and put the biggest stakes imaginable in. And and I'm I'm thinking about Moonfall specifically for this. <laughs> because that, that's literally the destruction of an entire planet, you know, eight billion people dying. And that didn't feel as high stakes as this film felt. No, yeah, yeah. And I I, I think you know, again, going down what makes it a horror room, it's because the way this movie's set out, the only people having a good time, the gremlins, you know, like we're having a good time as an audience, but from like the movie point of view, everyone is fucking scared to death, you know, because of this thing that's happening to the town. And the only reason we're having a good time as an audience is because the gremlins are having a good time, but they're there to, you know, mess everybody's life up you know people are scared yeah. you know it's... and, and the, the performances from from the cast and to just the way it's made is yeah. is where they've got that from because yeah it's... they really do drive that home yeah it's um yeah very good um let's see what was i gonna say i do want to talk about the bar scene but only because i know that um Apparently they were filming in there for like three days or something. And because of the, you know, like the puppets and stuff like that, they couldn't really clean the place up. Um, so apparently it was really smelly by the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> really smelly. Um, Cause of course there was beer and all sorts of stuff. And well, yeah, I, I, I like that scene. There's a, there's a scene in there that I was always obsessed with where one of them's got a penguin puppet and he's just going, Oh yes, yeah. And I don't know why. I don't know why he's doing it. Um, but he's doing it. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh no, actually, there's one more thing. I don't know if you're building towards this, um, but there is one scene in this movie that is true blue horror, and that is the back end of the film when they finally kill Spike. Um, and he melts and it's awful. <laughs> yeah, that uh, <laughs> where he comes out of the uh, the fountain again. Yeah. And he, he's skeletal, isn't he? It's, yeah, it's like, that's... It's like, oh yeah, no, this is awful. Uh, and I sort of vaguely remember that when I saw this when I was younger, that that was the one scene that, that made me go, oh, I don't really like this film. <laughs> yeah, um, and when it happens as well, and it, uh, you know, you think that the 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 terror's over, the 
you know, the good guys have won. Uh, and in typical horror fashion, it leaves the door open for a sequel. But yeah, I yeah. think it does it in a way that's probably the least contrived I've ever known of for a horror film. Because it just leaves Gizmo as that threat, doesn't it? You know, the, the hero is the threat. It's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's really, like, really quite interesting. It's done. Off the top of my head, I can't really think of any other films that have done that, which probably means there's one very obvious one, and I'm just being thick. But no, no, you're right. No, it's it's it, it's very good. It's very good. Yeah. Um. So yeah, no, that's Gremlins. But can we dip into this um this last rule? <laughs> well, because... you know what? I'm I'm going to I'm going to take back the steering wheel for this one because I, I'm I'm going to leave that for. The, the end, because I think we're right, going okay. to need a palate cleanser because, unfortunately, I'm, I'm going to have to talk about some stuff that I noticed this time watching it that right. might upset fans of this film. Because I think Gremlins might be extremely racist. Uh, I think you might be right. Um... Yeah. So I, I realise that this whole film is based on the premise of uh, this creature coming from the Far East, uh, multiplying like crazy, and then causing damage and being a, a massive nuisance. And that, to me, sounds like the playbook from Nigel Farage. You know, if he said something, if he recounted the plot of Gremlins in one of his cameo videos for like, 13 quid or whatever he charges like there'd be mass outrage that he'd say something like that and again uh, uh, looking into it a bit more uh, the gremlins are also considered by I think uh, Patricia Turner writes about it in a book uh, Ceramic Uncles and Celluloid Mammies about how there are offensive caricatures of black people which I, I saw that for the first time, really, because this is the first time I watched it in a good few years. So it's, yeah. I'm more aware of these issues than I was previously. And yeah, unfortunately, it did leave a sour taste in my mouth that's not been there before with the film. Uh, and I've, I've I've seen some counter arguments as well, saying that you know uh, that that the issues come from white people going to places and messing around with things. And it's sort of spoken about as like uh, karma, essentially. Uh, that, you know, white people have gone to places, messed with things they don't, they don't understand and bad things have happened as a result, which, you know, is an interesting reading. I also think that, you know, the character of Gizmo is the hero. So, you know, maybe it's an argument to say that the way that Western society has treated people of different races is the problem. So there's a few arguments both sides. I certainly would say that looking at the people involved, you know, Steven Spielberg has done several films with a strong anti-racist message. Uh, I, I did Google Chris Columbus racist, but that's a whole kind of worms you don't want to go into 
And, you know, again, I don't, not really aware of anything from Joe Dante as well. I mean, his films are mostly all problems in the suburbs, aren't they? Uh, so I'm just, I'm leaving it there. Uh, it's, yeah, just something that, that came out while I was watching this film. And I felt that it's something that, you know, you can't really ignore when you, you watch films like this. Yeah. Um, I, I, I must admit until you, until you said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have noticed any of that. Um, I think as well, it was also made just in a time, you know, in the eighties where, you know, not, not to forgive it, but where people are, were less aware of things like that, you know, and and I think it's come from a place of, of unconscious bias. I don't think anyone's tried to deliberately offend anyone. Uh, so I don't know. It's, it's sort of hard to say because you you know you want to to challenge these things, uh, but also you know I, I don't think that the people who've made it have set out to hurt anyone. So it's you know, where do you land on that? And it's, it's a tricky one. And it's, you know, for people who experience racism to say, rather than me as a white guy to say, you know, what, what, what is right and wrong on this thing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I must admit, I don't really, I don't, it's a bit of a cop out to say, I don't really have anything to say about it. I mean, because my, my only argument is that, Obviously, it's unfortunately of a time where those things were never considered, never considered yeah. as being, you know, relevant like they are today. Um, uh, but as you, I think, as you rightly say, as someone who hasn't experienced racism, I can't really, can't really comment too much on it. Um, I mean, I always thought that the the message was exactly what the man at the end says which was you know whenever you you can't just leave well enough alone you always have to fuck with with it yeah um, i think that one does fit into the sort of the counter-racist argument on it as well which yeah. is thankful because I, I like this film and i don't want to feel bad about liking it no no i and and, and i i certainly i certainly won't because um like I say, I wasn't—I wasn't really getting any of that out of it. But it's an important message. It's an important thing to bring up for sure. Um, yeah. Okay. So yeah, so that—that's why I wanted the palate cleanser of the uh, the after midnight rule. Okay. <laughs> because we need something to talk about without just going. There you go. Is this a really good film? <laughs> you know? So uh, yeah. After midnight. Right. Well. So I was talking to my wife about it. I very rarely talk to her about the horror movie things because she doesn't watch them, but she's seen Gremlins. Right. So what does going so what do you think that means? Because my initial thought was, you know, between twelve and one. But what I will tell you is that when the science teacher is calling it a day and the gremlin steals his sandwich, the mogwai steals his sandwiches, it's two twenty two twenty AM. Um, I noticed this. <laughs> So, it's an odd duck, isn't it? Like, right. So, I, I lump this into the same place <laughs> as I lump after eight minutes. 
Like when I was, you know, when I was a kid, I I, I liked an after eight mint because I was a weird kid. But when you're a kid, you take that after eight rule quite seriously. <laughs> you know, yeah. you think that it's it's important. So obviously I would go to my parents and say, can I have an after eight minute? And they'd say, it's not after eight yet, it's six o'clock. Stop being a little tubby. No, they, they were nice parents, but they, they should have said that to me. Uh, but uh, And then obviously, you know, as a kid, you go, oh, but there's eight in the morning as well. Mm. So the same thing applies to midnight, doesn't it? You're there. Like every time is after midnight. Yes, that's what's um, that's what's frustrating about it. So, so my head cannon says it's after midnight until sunrise. Yeah, I, you know what? I think you're right because the sun's relevant, isn't it, to mogwais and gremlins because it kills them. Um, so yeah, it must be sunrise. It's got to be, hasn't it? That's what the wife said. She said sunrise. Um, I was quite happy with my 1am until the film proved me wrong. Um, but the other thing is that they said that they, because we know mogwais eat, uh, but it also said that you can't give them water to drink. Yes. So what? Did, did, say did they get all the liquid from food? How how did the mogwai survive? I'm not sure. Pepsi of some sort. No, but I don't think you can even spill that on them. Maybe they don't drink. Maybe fruit they. Juice. Maybe they don't. Maybe yeah. Maybe you're supposed to feed them fruit, berries, and they get lots and lots of juice from the berries. Yeah. Oh well, there you go. <laughs> well, we've sort we've sorted that out then. Yeah, that's uh, I think. Oh no, sorry, I had one thing to say. I'm sorry before we get into this. What no, I, I had one as well, so I'll go after you. Oh right, this movie, right? I've just I realised watching it this time. This movie makes suggestions that this has happened before. Um, and I'm curious as to why we've never seen that because. When the mog when the Mogwai come out of Gizmo for the first time, he's got a look on his face that says, Oh, this is not gonna go fucking well. Um, I've seen this shit go down before. And uh yeah, there's not more there's not any more to it than that. But I did I did think it does it definitely uh gives you the idea that this has happened before. Um I almost thought that at one point I was thinking maybe the the Chinese guy that runs a shop does this to people. Uh You've learned a lesson now, haven't you? But no, I don't think that's the case. I literally think he was saying, no, don't do it. Because like, <laughs> so yeah, I suppose you need to do whatever, whatever else, ratings and stuff. So yeah, let's, uh, let's get into that bit then. So the Rotten Tomato score for this then is an 86% critic score and a 78% audience score. Uh, the letterbox is a 3.6 and the IMDb is a 7.3. Sorry, 3.6 out of 5 and 7.3 out of 10. So mm. it's... it's Genuinely, I thought it would actually be higher than that, um, pretty much across the board. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I remember this film being more beloved than that. Yeah, it feels like, as a rule, everyone... It feels like people think it's more of a new it's spooky than it is a creative psychopath. Well, in the, the Facebook group, we, we have a comment from Kyle, and he said that uh, the film has absolutely no business being as good as it is. But then you remember it was written by Chris Columbus and produced by Spielberg and Co. 
an iconic monster movie. I saw it described by one reviewer as the Evil Dead for kids, and I think that's perfect. I I won't argue too much with that. I think also it's yeah pretty uh, bang on, and yeah we've also got uh, Tia who said that it's one of her favorite films, uh, a perfect combination of horror, fun, and Christmas cheer. And also, I still can't listen to Do You Hear What I Hear Without Feeling Shit Scared. <laughs> yeah. It's that, but, you know, if you've got a kick-ass mum, you're away. Yeah. yeah. I've met Tia's mum and she is. Oh, well, there you go then. You this should be for you, fine. Panya. You'll be fine, Tia. Um, Gremlins don't exist anyway, so you will be fine. Uh, <laughs> or do they? Ooh. That's the thing. It could be anywhere. That's what the... Uh... The voice uh, voiceover, like leather at the end, said. Yeah, I might, um, I might put a clip in, or, or I might pretend that we just got broken in by gremlins at some point. That'd be fun. Uh, I might even get Hulk Hogan to tell him to put the podcast back on. I'll do that next year when we do Gremlins Two. Yeah, Gremlins Two. I love Gremlins Two. Um, so, right, yeah. That's what the uh, the Facebook group and the internet said. So what are we saying? Uh, I don't need to say any more about it than I've said. So I'm going. It, it it it's a creative psychopath for me. Um, there's nothing that I don't particularly like about it. There were some things this time that I thought were a little uh, bit off, and that was only that um, talking about all the foreigners all the time, which I know is what you said, but yeah, um, yeah. It's certainly mentioned. Um, but apart from that, it's a creative psychopath for me. I love Gizmo, love the, I love the gremlins. Um, great time all around. Yeah, uh, I, I think I'm going to agree with you as well. Uh, so the film did leave a strange taste in my mouth after watching it this time. But I think I, I need to to watch it again because, you know, it's the sort of thing where you, you get an idea in your head and that's all you can focus on. And, you know, I've watched this film loads of times before without that. And it, it was always a creative psychopath before that. So I'm mm-hmm. going to, I'm going to stay the course. Uh, and yeah, creative psychopath from me too. Oh, there you go then everyone. Gremlins, 1984. Yeah, that's our feeling. Creative psychopath from both of us. Um, but, you know, if you haven't seen Gremlins, you should have done. Um, get on it. Festive times. Um, I think I'm going to sizzle for next week. We're going to do Krampus, um, which is probably my go-to Christmas horror film. So we'll look forward to that, eh? Yes, very much so. Right. So, yeah, so now we just have our, our last slice of bread. And we are going to basically just put a little Christmas twist on the, the classic post filling sandwich questions. Mm-hmm. So I would like to ask you then, Mark, what is a scary moment from a non-horror Christmas movie that you remember? Um, It took me a little while to think about this, but in Scrooged... Um... Oh, I think you've got the same one I've got. <laughs> um. Oh no! In Scrooge, when the the final ghost shows up and he opens up his um his robe or whatever, inside they've got all sorts of well, like weird puppets and hellish dimensiony things, and 
it's awful. Um, yeah, so no, don't like that. So that's actually not the one that I've got, but I've gone Yay. for the same film. Oh well. Uh, so yeah, I remember I watched Scrooge when I was fairly young. Uh, I think certainly before I was a teenager for the first time. And the scene with he's not called Jacob Marley in in the film, uh, but you know when when the first ghost visits him and he's sort of got all the out you know the golf outfit and he's like essentially like a zombie. Yeah, I, I found sort of the design and you know the way the character was wandering around like really creepy and unsettling. And that is a horror movie. <laughs> Well, it's a ghost story, so I guess kind of. No, it's definitely a comedy, uh, <laughs> without a doubt. Uh, but it just so happens to have some good scary moments. Because you're right, that it, that is that is that is good. I think the the moment in that scene that scares me though is not so much the thing, but when he he's holding him above traffic and he's you know grasping at his arm, but because he's like desiccated or whatever, his arm just falls away. Some yeah, stuff. yeah. Tell you what, though, it is a good film, and it's one I should I need to watch again. Yeah, I like Scrooge. Um, the, 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 there's a thing in Scrooge about um, he's trying to talk to someone. There's someone hammering in the background, um, and he shouts. At some point, he shouts, "Can we please hold the goddamn hammering?" And whenever I hear hammering, I always say that. <laughs> Bit of a weird thing that you didn't need to know from about me but no i'm i'm open to any and all <laughs> scrooge base testimonies <laughs> all right what's next okay then? so then yeah so then there's just the uh, the final question is if you're going to remake any ho- non-horror christmas movie into a horror movie what would you choose well i'm not sure I was thinking about the Santa Claus. Um, I mean, that would definitely work, wouldn't it? Yeah. In my head, I was thinking, uh, mix it with one of the other um, horror franchises. So uh, let's say catches Jason off guard or something like that and ends up putting his mask on for a laugh and then over the year slowly turns into Jason Voorhees. Yeah. I just thought there'd be something in that. Or alternatively, you know, he could take out Krampus and uh, over the year become the anti-Father Christmas. <laughs> but uh, I thought there was something, there's something in that with uh, putting a, a costume on and slowly becoming that thing. Yeah. No, that would uh, that would definitely work out. I, I would see that film. Yeah, me too. I kind of want the Jason one. I mean, I like, sort of like the idea of Jason being on someone's roof and then accidentally falling off with it, especially with a. Would, would you like uh, sort of like a Jason redemption story? You know, right? No, I want him killing people. I think I would like to find Jason finding the joy of Christmas. Oh, maybe. Like Skeletor did that one time. <laughs> just, just handing out machetes to children, you know? <laughs> Yeah, now I want the, that. A, a candy cane handle. Yeah, now I want that. Yes, please. Murderous candy canes. Sharpened. Mm, lovely. Okay, well, 
For me, I think that like almost all conversations about Christmas films begin and end with It's a Wonderful Life. And this is going to be no different. Because It's a Wonderful Life is just this beautiful, beautiful story about you know the small interpersonal reaction, you know, interactions we have with people that that are small and trivial, but they can add up and mean so much, you know, and it's about a man who's lost sight of that. And he's, he's, you know, visited by an angel who reminds him, you know, what he means to people. And it's something that we all lose sight of, you know, we don't often don't think about just how important we are to the people around us and not just, you know, the people close to us, but, you know, know, strangers, you know, we can make someone's day just with a, a smile sometimes. So let's just flip that. You know, let's just this relentless misery story of a man who is just a normal human being and instead of visiting and, you know, being visited by an angel at his lowest point, you know, he could be quite happy and he's visited by a demon who shows him all the times that he's done something fairly innocuous but has led someone to spiral into something terrible. And just the misery that he, this man may have unintentionally caused to people just wow. to drive him insane. Yeah, that's because amazing. that would be horrible for a start. But I, I just think it would, you know, we've said a few times on here about how, like, uh, sort of mental health and anxieties are something that scares a lot of people in the 21st century because that is sort of what what we are scared of as a society because, you know, we're more aware of how the brain can turn on you. And I, I just think that you could, you could really tap into people's anxieties and fears about that, that sort of thing in this film. And it would be just terrifyingly awful if made properly. Yeah, I'm already don't, I already don't like it. Um, as as a, as a, I mean, I like it as a concept, but you know what I mean. Like, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> it's already made me a bit uncomfortable. So yeah, yeah. no, let's let's make that. I'm curious. It's a terrible life. Yeah, it is an awful life. Oh, it's an awful life. I'm curious to know if you uh, thought about Home Alone. Um, because that was kind of. I also sort of briefly touched on Die Hard because as well. Yeah. That's, you know, if you're one of those hostages, that's already a horror film. Yeah, because that, that was my thought about Home Alone and thinking just that all you have to do is go, oh, those things actually happened to, to those people and they die. I think that's, <laughs> that's Don't Breathe, isn't it? That... Oh, yeah. That's they they a... made that film. Yeah. Except, you know, it's an old man instead of a small boy. Yeah, and the old man's got a turkey baster, as I recall. Oh, oh, oh no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that bit of the film. Yeah, yeah. There's a second one. I saw the second one recently. It was awful. And they make him the hero uh, of it, which is dumb. Yeah, I think that was... I think that was one of the pandemic pictures I never quite got around to. So yeah, I'll, I'll need to uh, to have a look at that because I did re- really enjoy the first. So yeah, no, I'll go into it with expectations tempered. Yes, yes, going low, going low, but uh, yeah, it was better than expected. Um, 
Right, lovely then. That brings us towards the end of this here podcast that we've been recording, um, as we always do. That's a weird way to end stuff. Uh, so yeah, as always, follow the social medias, Instagram, Facebook. Um, the one thing I will ask is if you're still here, if you don't download the podcast, if you're just streaming it, I really would enjoy it if you started downloading it because those are the figures that show me who's how many people are listening and it makes a difference to the, the people who look at these things. Um, so yeah, if you could start doing that, um, if you don't, sorry, I know it's a bit of a weird ask. Well, no, it's not a weird ask. I don't know what I'm, I don't like asking people to do things, mate, perhaps. Uh, well, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a trade off, you know, please download it. And in return, we'll give you some top notch content. We'll give you some content. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, it's top notch. It's getting good, isn't it? It's getting good lately. It was a good episode, I thought, um, just to blow our own trumpet. Well, I would say it's so good that it deserves a five-star review on your podcast it catcher does. of choice. Of course it deserves so, a five-star. So please leave one. That would be very nice. It's always puts a spring in our step to see it. And what were we saying about It's a Wonderful Life, how just a small thing can really make someone's day? Yeah. A five-star review would certainly do that for me and Mark. A five-star review and a, and a comment and a just, it's a delightful thing to see. Uh, but yes, um, love it. Anyway, should we just go now? Because I reckon that's about it. Yeah, we got rambling. it covered. All right. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.